The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. How often do you wake up in the morning and wonder if the senior executive team was to walk away from the business, go away for a period of time, be unavailable for a period of time? Would the business that you have, would that machine continue to function or would it fall apart and leave you in ruins? To answer that question, Deb Coviello. Deb, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Joel, for the opportunity. I can't wait to have this conversation and connect with your listeners. Well, this this is a really this is a big concern people have. You know, it's, can I leave my business and 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 know that it's going to be okay? And uh, you know, and I'm not talking about like a one man operation, little practice. I'm talking about like a business, like a big running business. Sometimes even those are highly dependent on one or two people in the senior executive office. So, uh, what's the secret to keeping the thing running? Well, let me ask another question by. Um... Ask, let me ask another question. One of the things that I find is it's not necessarily, do you have the right people? Do you have the right metrics? Are you meeting your performance indicators? Do you have a purpose? Um, do you have the right culture? I think there's a higher level calling is, can you sleep at night? Do you have peace of mind? When we think about peace of mind, it's the ability to know and feel and sense everything is running well. And it's not just an, a result or a KPI, because if you think in terms of that's all we want, customers don't care about your KPI. But if you know that customers are coming to you and wanting to collaborate because you may not be the best in the industry, but maybe you're the favorite because they love working with you because the people in your organization are really helpful. If you have the right culture, if you celebrate all the successes of all the individual people and their intellectual property, all of those elements, which I capture in the CEO's compass, all of those to achieve peace of mind. And if you can't answer that question, what gives you peace of mind? I suggest potentially you're not driving for the right things and you potentially could go off track when you're not there and you step away for a week. Yeah. You, you bring up many, many interesting things and we'll, we'll go into them a couple of, of things, but um, the thing that you said already that I just love, you may not be the best, but you may be the favorite. That's, that's, you know, you don't hear that every day because we talk about being the best in class. We you know, uh, how is it possible to not be the best, but still be the favorite and, and be sustainable because so, yeah. doesn't favorite kind of wax and wane with time? 
favorite means I got your back. When a customer knows we got your back to be able to weather the storm for the good or the bad. And I will give you an example, and I can't take credit for this. I actually had a senior sales VP speak to me when I was the head of quality saying, you know, what keeps you up at night? Um, What can I do to help you better support your customers? And he says, it's not necessarily having the best quality, the best product, et cetera. He said, but it's those moments that customers remember when there is a bump in the road. Maybe we miss a delivery. Maybe we're off spec. Maybe the product launch didn't go exactly as expected, but our ability to have their back, to be able to recover recover, and navigate that change, they'll remember that more than the oops. And I have another story because head of quality, we made a mistake. We had a recall. It was a terrible place to be. And hand over heart and with our heads down, we had to go to the customer and explain what happened and why it happened. And the transparency that we provided to them. And in the end, it was a bad situation. But then they said, thank you. We would have done the same thing, the way we handled it. We had their back. We remained in business. We maintained the relationship. That's how you become a partner and the favorite, maybe not necessarily number one. That's how you stay on the core supplier list and in good favor. You know, I, I think that's a, a really cool standard. There's a couple of things that concern me about it. Uh, you know, I, I like it, but I'm just concerned about a couple of things. One, it's sort of subjective. So, you know, it's it's a little hard to describe in a tangible way to the team. We have to be this. That's why people like metrics because they're manageable. They're tangible. So how, do, how do you manage to an intangible, subjective goal? It's about what you're trying to achieve. Am I trying to achieve a particular quality number, service number? Your customers don't care about that. Yes, they want the goods or the service when they expect it in the way they want it. But ultimately, it's the problem you solve. Okay, so I don't measure, for instance, when I am in the service industry, I provide a proposal to a client. I talk about the problem. I put myself in their shoes. I tell their story. And then I explain the approach that I think that will help them navigate that change. And we have a dialogue about how I can and we solve that problem together. And they don't look at my numbers. They don't look at the fee that I'm charging. Now, one could say maybe I'm not charging enough, but it never comes to the forefront. We've already had a start at a discussion about building a relationship and possibilities about how to solve the problem. That's how you become the favorite. That's how you can get peace of mind with your customers. It's not about the lowest price. It, it, it's just not. You know, um, I've, I've heard, uh, you know, I, I'm really, I'm inclined to agree with you, but I just, I'm, I've got it's some okay, stuff but disagree too. That, that's fine too. That, you know, that's just kind of just telling me that there's something wrong here. You know, uh, Amazon is just awesome at some of the things that they do, but they're not a local friendly store. You know, there's no people, there's no relationship. It's, it's just super convenient. It's an app and boom, and you're done. And, you know, there's always the hardware stores, these little mom and pop stores all over the country that are going out of business because Amazon is selling stuff less. And I had an experience. My mother-in-law uh, was, was belly aching about how these little stores are, are hurting. And I said, well, I said, you know, I said, then you should, you should frequent those stores. You know I mean? Now, of course, uh, you can go to Amazon, you can get the thing for five bucks. And of course, they're probably charging 10. And then she stopped and she said, well, I don't know, I think I'll go to Amazon. And and I said, that's the problem that they're all having is that, uh, you know, their people are are really, they, they want to be supportive, but the economic instinct is, is contrary. So uh, I, I worry that 
you know, as much as people mean well and they want to, uh, there may be a person who's, uh, you know, who you're, you're their favorite. But as soon as the, the son or daughter comes in and takes over, or as soon as a new executive gets appointed or a new chairperson gets appointed, all the, the favoritism, uh, you know, goes away and you're, you know, you're left with something else. Um, that could be. And that's the chance we take. But all I can do is manage the relationship now and serve the client, provide the service that they're requesting, be trusted, leave a lasting impact. And if nothing else, the moment was memorable. And maybe I impacted a few people. If I don't get future business, at least I know that in that moment, they had peace of mind and I served them well. Yeah. I, I you know what? I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of agree. I, I think that it's a standard that uh, is kind of overlooked. So I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just I'm just bringing up some things that just kind of are on my mind. But you know what? At the end of the day, I really do not disagree. So thanks for sharing. What what kinds of uh, measurements besides the subjective things we just talked about? Do you use uh, performance indicators? I mean, you know, if you do interim CEO work, which I know you do, how how do you teach people to measure their outcomes? Well, certainly there are the traditional ones, uh, which are lagging indicators. Did I meet your quality? Did I meet your service? Am I profitable? Those are all easy lagging indicators. Ultimately, your customer is the judge of what you do, but that's what's easy and that's what leaders traditionally do. But when you think about the health of an organization, and I'm going to go to a couple dimensions as an example, people. Now, I find as a company grows from that small company to that medium-sized company, and I know a lot of your listeners are in that place, it's a beautiful thing to scale and grow. But one of the things we do as we grow as a company is we lose that connectivity to our people. We They become a transaction. They need to crank out things. They provide services. And if we don't have leading indicators, such as how often are we meeting with our people? Do they have... Um, you know, are they trained? Are they being sent for, do they have a mentor? What are those leading indicators that we're actually spending time building the capability of our people versus becoming a transaction? We don't spend enough time doing that because it's hard. It's, and people have to do more work in order to make sure that we're continuing connecting with our people. Um, performance. You know, do we align everybody on a particular performance, a purpose and metric? And have we identified those gaps for people to achieve a purpose? You can have great metrics. You can have a great company purpose. But unless everybody in an organization can clearly articulate and quantify how the specific job that they do directly addresses the company's purpose and those results, um, Again, you're losing people in the misc. They fall to a transaction. I think leaders have to find creative ways to, of leading indicators that everybody is operating to one system. They're connected with purpose and the performance of the organization and get peace of mind. It, it's, it's a hard I, I, one. but I love that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, the one thing that, that I like is most people are looking at lagging indicators. Almost everything an accountant generates is a lagging indicator. Um, people don't talk enough about leading indicators. And, and, you know, one thing is how often you meet with your customers. I love that one. Uh, do you have some other ones that you can share? Well, I mean, that's absolutely one of them. I had a particular story where I had a quality customer service person that their job was to 
complete documents and get them back to the customer. But how many clients were they actually meeting on a regular basis and only three major accounts? I said, what would life look like if you were regularly meeting with seven or 10 of our key accounts versus the lagging indicator of how many transactions and documents that you ship to your customer on time? And she said, oh, that would be amazing. We could start having collaborative conversations about where we could have partnerships, uh, increase our visibility to certain projects, maybe uh, get on the core supplier list. When we took this particular individual who measured themselves in terms of lagging indicator in terms of transaction and moved them to how many customers are you meeting with on a monthly or quarterly basis? Uh, we did move to being on the core supplier list. We eventually got additional resources to take those transactions. Uh, she was doing what most leaders don't do is creating a strategy and moving the leader, moving the needle towards something like that. So we have to think about what are those creative ways to do it? Even succession planning. Do we have, how many people have we laid out a succession planning? Do we have job descriptions? Do we have a career ladder for every major function? That's what we need to do as leaders is basically build the sustainability of the business. As we grow rapidly, we're going to quickly find that there are places where we're breaking down, where we didn't develop the capability, where somebody is promoted or they move to another role, hopefully. Uh, if we haven't backfilled, that becomes an expense in our business. So we need to be measuring the people development side, the succession planning. Otherwise, well, you're going you know, to crash and burn. <laughs> this this is kind of advanced leadership. What you're you're talking about? This isn't basic leadership. This is kind of an advanced level that many companies never even get to. And and my sense is, and and I wonder how you deal with this, is is that they're so busy being busy that they don't have time to do a lot of the important things that just require them to go off site and solve some problems or you know, maybe bring in a consultant to, to write some of these special plans. And I mean, what, what are you, what are companies doing to be able to <clears throat> make time to do this sort of thing? Well, my first suggestion, and thank you for bringing that up is I would seriously challenge the mindset of the individual who says, I can't, I won't, I don't, I don't have enough time. When they start using those N apostrophe T's, those negative mindsets, you're going to have a hard time shifting them. However, if you have a leader that says, I need to do something different, what I'm doing now is not going to get me where I need to go, then you have a highly aware leader that needs some mentoring and coaching. What does the future look like? How do you create a roadmap from what you're doing in the day-to-day -to, -day to where you need to go and get them out of the day-to-day? -day? Well, I need more resources. I propose to you, you don't need more resources, but if you have a plan and have people working on proactive things, things that are uh, leading indicators, you may find you have all the resources that you need. So the first thing as a senior leader, look at the people and do they have a can-do attitude and realize I need help? corporate courage. I need help. I know I need to do things differently. If you have leaders that have a closed mindset, yes, you can work with them. I actually did work with a particular leader who I helped them build a roadmap to move the needle over the course of the year. And they went through the actions, but you know what? As time passed, there were excuses. I was too busy. Something happened, an urgent requirement. And if they always live in that hamster wheel, there's always a reason, there's always an excuse, and there's signs are they're apologizing. They're not the leader that you want on the bus unless you have a hard conversation that they need to change. This is basic leadership. I, <laughs> I think that this is what we need to do. It's all about future thinking, not just a transaction. Yeah, it's well, listen, that, that's the leader's job is to look forward in time. <clears throat> and it's, uh, 
you know, I, I just, I find that a lot of people, especially in middle-sized companies, they, they just find themselves so overwhelmed trying to do what they got to do on a day-to-day basis uh, that it's hard for them to think about making acquisitions and growing their companies in substance, substantive ways. And uh, I just, I see a lot of people having these problems. I mean, it really, it's a common situation. But I wonder if it's maybe they're lacking just some critical thinking tools, knowing the right questions to ask, you know, versus I need more. How am I going to get through the day? How am I going to get all this work done? My business is starting to grow. Um, How do I get more resources when they should be probably asking different questions? Well, where do I need to go? And how, what are the resources I do need in order to get there? What help do I need? When you ask those proactive questions, they're going to get a different outcome. How am I going to get to peace of mind? How do I know I'm going to be able to continue to service my customers as I'm rapidly growing? And I've got people that still have a mindset of how am I just going to get through the day? making excuses for being late. I've got too many meetings. You need to ask yourself some hard questions. Do I have the right people in place? Can I develop them? And do I need external help? to help me to get me where I'm going. When you have leaders asking those kinds of questions, you have a better chance of scaling their business. If they're still of a closed mindset and I don't have time, they may not be the right people for your business. What what do you suggest for senior leaders? Uh, You know, do they, do you suggest they go off site every quarter, every, every periodic, uh, every, every so often to, to make plans and uh, brainstorm together? What do you think? It's definitely a good vehicle. If there is no time in the day for strategic thinking, planning, where do we want to be in one 18 months, 24 months, et cetera, taking a break is helpful if you can't remove yourself physically from the work during the day, but make sure that you have a proper outcome. Make sure that it's a vision. What is our purpose? And you hear all the literature, what is our purpose, but what is it? What, who do we want to be in three to five years? What does that roadmap look like? A lot of people don't even know what a roadmap is. They can't even see or articulate what the future of the business looks like. And then understanding the purpose. And then what is it I need? I have to tell you a quick story about this. I went to a senior leader meeting where everybody was supposed to talk about what are we going to get done next year? And they had these well laid out presentations. And I started from a completely different perspective. I said, who am I as a leader? How did I have to change my style? What was I going to do differently with my people? And only then talk about what I was going to do. And when I did that, my leadership didn't like it because I didn't spend enough time talking about what, but I had started a path about how am I going to change myself as a leader and develop my people in order to achieve those goals. Some people came to me and says, that's exactly the kind of leadership we need, somebody that thinks differently. So if you're going to go off site, make sure it's productive in the perspective of what is it going to do to get us to our ultimate outcome? What does peace of mind look like? Not just necessarily target numbers. Who do we want to be? And start from that place and back engineer. And obviously leverage resources, somebody like yourself to facilitate that conversation and make sure when you come back, there is a strategic plan that everybody's aligned to and everybody can then create their own strategic plan aligned to that vision. And if they still can't do that, you may still need some more help. um, You know, so that, that would be a retreat for people who are all part of the same company. But what do you think about executives from other companies getting together from time to time, mastermind type groups? Are you a fan of that sort of thing? I, the jury is still out. I, myself, as being a new business owner, seeking knowledge, support, and advisors, I have been to a number of masterminds. 
I think it's helpful to infuse new thoughts. It's helpful for networking. We are greater when we leverage our network. So a mastermind, a get together, a retreat, if truly everybody is there with the right purpose in mind to help everybody else network, give each other business ideas, connect the network where you may have gaps. Um, it definitely is helpful. I know personally by leveraging masterminds, um, that's how I've gotten so much free consulting advice because people want to help me and they give me the best knowledge that they have. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, listen to me, uh, I can't see how new ideas could, could be a problem unless you're so overwhelmed that uh, you can't tolerate any more new ideas. And that's a whole different problem that, that some people have. Um, and I'm having that right get, now. <laughs> and listen, the goal is not to get 50 new ideas. The goal is to maybe get one and do it. I mean, find one great idea and go put it to work. You know, make it. That's that's what I think. So, yeah, I think as leaders, we have to be open to new ideas and not about um whether I can do it. If you say that's what I want to do, I mean, just the book. I knew I needed to write a book. It is hard to write a book. It's hard to market a book, but I set my sights on by 2021, by August, I'm going to write a book. Had no idea how to do it, except I know how to write content, but oh my, <laughs> I had to seek the counsel of many other people to help me get there. So I think the most, the biggest muscle leaders have to uh, exercise is what do I want to do? Don't worry about the how. Don't give yourself excuses. Just set your sights on this is what I want to do. Opening my own business, writing a book, podcasting, you know, set your uh, sights. <laughs> that, that right there might be the inside track is <clears throat> don't, don't focus on the how. Just focus on the what. You know, what is it you want to do? And then you'll figure out the how later or you'll connect with other people. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I really think that uh, leaving, the, leaving the details, the how, you know, to the side, uh, that if you if you let it be front and center, it creates all sorts of problems, and that may well just be the inside track on on leaders uh, expanding their their possibilities. I couldn't agree with you more. As soon as I got over that hump of talking myself out of what was not possible, and then believing in myself, saying I'm a smart person leverage masterminds in my network, I'll figure it out. And I'll tell you just about every single person that's helping me on my journey. I interviewed on the podcast, met through referral. And as long as I can believe in myself to have enough energy, get enough sleep at night and keep up this pace to build a business, uh, I believe. And I think that's what a lot of leaders need as well. Believe in yourself, set the vision and figure out how along the way. Yeah, the, the, a little bit off topic, but uh <clears throat> Do you think that many leaders should be writing books? I mean, do you think that many of these people, would their companies be benefited if they put out some thought leadership? You know, that's a really interesting question. I have met some leaders and you know what? They don't put out enough into the world. They don't. And there are some brilliant leaders within. I've met a lot of them. I think you have to think about what's the definition of a leader. It's really leaving your legacy. You can help impact the people there, but write a book, get it out there. You may actually have a new thought that can inspire other people, but you're right. They don't do enough of it, but I think, you know, they have so much knowledge, put it in writing, holds you accountable and um, put it out there in the world and test it. Maybe others can learn. So I think it's a great idea. Not enough of them do that. I think, I think there's a lot of, a lot of benefits uh, for this. Number one, uh, it's hard to organize your ideas. So organizing your ideas, that's, that's an important exercise all by itself. But, you know, a lot of companies put their, their, their chief executive in the spotlight and they, they have that person be the spokesperson for the company. And in a, in a certain way, a book helps you be a better spokesperson. 
I mean, it helps you to be out there in, in the middle and putting the word out and let customers see how you think and what kind of, you know, ideas you have. And so I, I don't know, I, I, I can't imagine that it's a bad idea. And that is the turning point. So, I mean, I'll just draw upon my experience. I'm an engineer. I'm an entrepreneur. I have a lot of thoughts and ideas. And when I showed up in social media, I am my own marketing person. Um, people liked me but they didn't understand what I stood for. They knew that I was a thought leader, but they couldn't articulate what did I stand for. As soon as I wrote the book, as soon as I started putting out content and honing in the method, the approach and my insights, now people know, oh, she's the drop-in CEO. Oh, she's that compass person. It is a vehicle to hone your message and be able to now show up and people know what to expect. And it's a powerful message. So I, in this conversation, you've got me to think, um, senior leaders, get a little help. You can write down your thoughts. Well, I mean, I mean, look, if they're, again, put the hat on the side and just say you want to do it. I mean, if you need a ghostwriter, I mean, there, there's companies that help. There, there's a million ways to get this done. It's not the most painful process. Uh, you can draw the content out, but don't focus on the how, focus on the what, you know, the, the, you know and the why you're going to do it and, 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 and move on. And I, I think it could be a good thing. So, uh, I, I kind of like it. It's a smart idea. And it, and it could differentiate <clears throat> you from being the favorite versus number one. So if you had, uh, if you were amongst two or three customer or suppliers that your customer had to think about, who am I going to do business with? It could be because of the CEO or senior leader that stands for X, puts out their thought leadership into the world. They become interesting versus just another commodity. They should think. About I, I, I got to go back to something you said a couple minutes ago. I, I, I might have misheard this. Okay. I, I thought I heard you say you were an engineer. Uh, by training and education. <laughs> yeah, I am a STEM professional after starting a life as a creative and probably an entrepreneur selling things. And then life happened. I went into what was traditional and would help achieve financial and independent financial success and independence. And so I was able to achieve all that, but <laughs> at some point it was no longer fulfilling, but I'm an engineer, a biomedical engineer. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what's funny about that. I said, uh, you know, we're talking about, um, not KPIs, not things that are measurable. We're talking about things that are subjective. We're talking about things that are uh, you know, uh, somewhat, uh, you know, fluffy and somewhat uh, hard to get your arms around. I mean, listen, I, I came from the CPA world and and I'm the same. I kind of lean away from a lot of that technical material. And and to hear you say you were trained as an engineer and then listening to you talk about things that are very soft and, uh, you know, subjective, uh, that puts you in a very similar camp as me, that you you see the world, you have enough training to know that that doesn't really work that great all the time. Yeah. We have enough training to get a result. And then senior leaders, if they only aspire to a result, that's a transaction. When you start with peace of mind and all of the essentials of having a purpose, understanding the heritage and the culture, the process, the mentoring, uh, the pride and the intellectual property, all of those, what I would say, they say soft skills, but essential things that if you skip them, all you're going to do is be number one and get a high result. But if you focus on these things about how can you elevate your people, remove the barriers, mentor them for higher performance, you're ultimately, and you ask them for their thoughts, um, 
and not just a transaction. They come with their minds and are more creative. And if you ask broader questions, how do we achieve this vision versus how do we get our service numbers up? You're going to get a completely different outcome. That's the difference between a leader that's number one on Wall Street versus somebody that is growing, that's having some transformational issues, but they become the favorite. They become interesting because they're focused on peace of mind for the customers and themselves. Well, I'll tell you, you, um, you hide the engineer very well. Very uh, behind, well. well, I, you know what? Behind this entrepreneur, behind, ooh, I can do that. Ooh, I can do this. There are Google spreadsheets out the wazoo holding <laughs> me accountable. I got QuickBooks and systems and reminders and calendars with this uh, is structure to keep the entrepreneur at bay. Yeah. Well, listen, it's um, whatever it is, it seems like you've really learned some balance. I mean, I, I know that, that, you know, for me, uh, you know, the hard skills of being an accountant, it wasn't for me. I, I left it very early in my career, but uh, you know, but the training, it was invaluable and, and it supports a lot of what I do. Although I don't do that work anymore. It supports a lot of the other things that I do and how I think. And I imagine it's similar for you. I mean, one particular example, so I'll throw out some language. I have a Six Sigma black belt, a lean black belt that shells, proves to the world that I know how to solve complex problems. But it's through that analytical thinking amidst chaos. When people come into a room, the sky is falling. The customer is going to start charging us because we've disrupted them because of a quality issue. My ability to listen to all of the information and data that is presented and be able to reframe and articulate in a clearly stated problem statement. This is the situation, the who, what, where, when, and why. All that engineering problem-solving experience is so applicable to get people out of chaos into a place of control or from a place of where we are to where we want to be. It's that problem-solving methodology and that ability to listen and reframe those skills, engineering skills, technical skills are what I've leveraged in the soft skills. Well, you know what it is, is, is go, go back to the what and the how questions. The engineering is the how. How do you do it? How, do we, how are we yes. going to accomplish this? I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of the analytical thinking that CPAs and engineers and certain other kind of uh, professionals uh, consider. But, you know, some of the more lofty uh, things about, you know, like where are we going? What's the vision? What are we going to think about? Um, that's really something that, uh, you know, is different. And, and I, I really enjoy that. Uh, and I've, I've enjoyed this discussion because of that reason, because you bring a different perspective that uh, is, is very admirable and interesting. A quick story, if I may, that really hit home. I didn't realize this, but I had a question that I posed to a senior leader who was my boss at the time. I says, we have this strategy. You should be talking about the strategy to the rank and file more. And he said, Yes, I can, but I need them heads down. I need them to focus on the day to week to month to year to get the results. I'll worry about the strategy and making sure I'm steering the ship. I left that conversation extremely disappointed, realizing there was a missed opportunity. More people need to understand the strategy and where we're going, not just as direct reports, but connecting all the way down. And since then, it became very clear to me, developing a strategy, articulating the vision on where we're all going to. That's why every person that uh, is working with my business gets me, understands me, and is helping me to steer the ship. Yeah, so, listen, I, I think that people like to know where they're going. <clears throat> yeah. I think it matters. 
Yeah. I think they like to know. I think they want to participate in the outcome. And, uh, you know, these are these are great ideas. So listen, uh, Deb, thank you so much for being on the show. It was uh, a, a lovely discussion. It was a, a fascinating one. Uh, we're going to post your contact information and everything in the show notes. And, uh, and, and I just appreciate the contribution that you've made to profit uh, from the inside. And Jill, thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm excited to know you and your audience and uh, wish you continued success. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a huge thanks to our podcast show producer, David Wolf, and the team at Audavita Studios. Profit from the inside wouldn't be possible without these wonderful professionals. To learn more or to find out how you can launch and produce your own podcast show, reach out to www.audavita.com. That's A-U-D-I-V-I-T-A.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.